You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Are you a diehard comic book collector? Or maybe a lapsed fan? Maybe even someone who has never picked up a comic book in their life. Hi, I'm Remso Martinez. And I'm Mark Clare. Every single Wednesday at the Second Print Comics Podcast, Remzo and I take a deep dive into the storylines, character arcs, moments, and events that made us the fans we are today. Tune in every Wednesday for new episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else podcasts are available. Check out more from the Second Print Comics Podcast at secondprintcomics.com. You're on the run with Remzo W. Martinez. They're coming after us. They're coming after us in our wholesome culture, our institutions, our cultural landmarks. We can't let them touch it. No. It's a... It's a funny time to be alive right now. You know, hate Trump all you want. He canceled ISIS. Joe Biden canceled Dr. Seuss. But that's a neither here nor there issue. I can tell you, I've seen the, the images in those books, and if they decide to pull it, let it be their decision, not anyone else's. But I can tell you, uh, you know, the, the one about Mulberry Street was one of my favorites growing up. We're, we're not going to talk about Dr. Seuss. Everyone else is adding to it. We're going to go ahead and cover a topic that is near and dear to my heart. We're talking comic books today. No, you did not accidentally tune into the Second Print Comics podcast. There will be a political angle, a few hot takes given in this one, as we discuss Black Superman. One of my biggest nightmares have come alive. Jar Jar Abrams has decided that he has not destroyed enough franchises yet. Warner Brothers is going to allow him, the Spielberg's wannabe who destroyed Star Wars and really began to bastardize what I loved of my beloved Star Trek. Now they're going to go ahead and allow him to destroy Superman, but that's not all. This evil Batman has his disastrous boy wonder at his side, Tanahasi Coates. Tanahisi Coates? We'll call him Mr. Coates. I've got an article from Sci-Fi Wire that we'll be breaking down today. Before I do that, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for tuning in. If you're a longtime listener, we changed the music up a little bit. Want a little bit more pep in my step. Went from you know, late night 90s jazz club. Now we're in early 2000s French disco. I thought we'd go ahead and change things up a little bit. Let me know what you think. Um, this is a, this is one of those situations where I have been really ignoring a lot of the commentary because it seems like everybody who wants to go ahead and add five cents to it are people that, one, don't understand the, the full intent, and two, know nothing about the material they're talking about when it comes to the realm of comics and what's going on. Uh, yes, is there a lot going on in the comic book and the entertainment world that you know average listeners, more right-of-center listeners, might not like? Absolutely. I complain about it all the time over at the Second Print Comics podcast. I've not bought a new Marvel comic in uh, in several years, the last one I did, I got a subscription for the current Wolverine series, where Wolverine is a simp. He is uh, 
Cyclops's girlfriend's boyfriend, if you have not seen that little masterpiece over at Jonathan Hickman's X-Men, and uh, you're an X-Men fan, don't do it. It will ruin your view of the X-Men. But, uh, you know, what has gone on in the industry is we've allowed a lot of people who are extremely left of center, who have to interject their politics into everything, who also cannot write, and in many cases cannot draw, to go ahead and take over our legacy characters and rewrite them in their way because the people who don't buy comics are telling them what they need to do in order to make them buy comics and then they destroy the comics and then when they look around and they're like, why is no one buying our comics? It's because the people that said, do this and maybe we'll buy your comics were never actually going to buy their comics. So all you've done is pissed off the people that were going to buy your comics. But in this case, with the with the upcoming news that Warner Brothers is going to go ahead and reboot Superman and recast him with a black actor. A lot of people just went ahead and started freaking out. Uh, I was one of them because the idea of them rebooting Superman means I lose my beloved Henry Calvill, who I think is um, you know, second only to that of Christopher Reeves from the original Donner trilogy. Uh, quite sad that he will be no longer wearing the red cape and spandex, but... You know, he's over at The Witcher. Hopefully, maybe, maybe we'll get another Man of Uncle movie. If you have not seen The Man from Uncle with uh, Henry Calville and Army Hammer, you need to do yourself a favor and find it on Amazon tonight and watch it. But let's let's dig into what is really the issue at the matter. It's this idea that, as many people think, you're just going to have black Clark Kent and you're going to go ahead and have it be a super political movie written by somebody who should not ever, ever talk about, write about comics. Uh, Let's get into why, in terms of J.J. Abrams and Ta-Nehisi Coates, they are unfit to do this, and then we'll go ahead and get into the rest of it. Uh, First off, J.J. Abrams has destroyed every franchise that he's made. He did well with uh, 2009 Star Trek, uh, Star Wars Episode Eight: The Force Awakens was okay, but each time he's jumped into something, it's uh, it, it's it's driven away from source material canon, and it's ostracized more fans than it's created new fans. Um, I I don't feel that he he should ever touch a film again. Nonetheless, one that deals with beloved you know characters such as Superman. He already he already butchered Star Wars. Please keep him the hell away from Superman. Secondly, Ta-Nehisi Coates. I will call him a black supremacist. Uh, he's written several books, none of which were actually featured in the Sci-Fi Wire article, which I'll read in a few minutes. But one of them was the case for reparations. Uh, he's written about uh, cases of assault and racism aimed at him that have been uh, highly, highly questioned by many people on the left and the right. Uh, apart from his political views, he got into comic books about two, two and a half, three years ago. I don't understand how that happened, but they thought, you know, we need uh, we need somebody here with a little bit of name recognition at Marvel to go ahead and bring in more people to read the comics. Let's go ahead and bring in Ta-Nehisi Coates. That's one thing if you're writing for a newspaper or magazine, that might be a good idea. But it's like bringing somebody who tunes pianos to come in and fix cars. 
yeah, your job is to fix stuff. But this is one of those things where it's like, yeah, you're, you're just as, you know, functionally ignorant of the process as I am. So they bring in Ta-Nehisi Coates. They give him three titles. They give him Black Panther the same year that Black Panther is in theaters. It was a great movie by Ryan Coogler. Um, starring the the in, the the absolutely best actor of my lifetime, Chadwick Boseman, made a bazillion dollars, got a bunch of nominations, universally loved by fans and critics alike. Uh, he gets that series at a brand new issue one, and then they also give him a, a six issue limited series called Black Panther and the Crew. Now you would think you have somebody who should obviously as people look at it, get what people want from Black Panther, and you're writing off the success of a film that's just taken everybody's money, what happens to that? Well, Black Panther, the ongoing series, is canceled midway through at a cliffhanger ending. I think they're going to bring it back with a limited series, but long story short, he fucked up. He, he, just, he just fucked up. He could not write a story that even people who love him or at least really love Black Panther were willing to stick by. I got five issues in, then I was like, I'm not paying uh, $4.25 for this. $3.99 plus tax. I'm not doing it. Can't do it. Black Panther and the and the and the crew, a limited series, which was very, very politically driven, very anti-cop, very, uh, very pro-Black Lives Matter. Um this, this is what happens. I've never heard of a limited series getting canceled. Usually what will happen is a limited series will be delayed for months and maybe sometimes years. Or they will even add issues to the limited series run. They canceled it two issues before the conclusion of the series. So not only do you kill the ongoing series of a character who's making all the money in the world right now because you've just written something that's just trash, absolute trash, but your limited series is performing so poorly they won't even let you finish. I don't even think they had layouts done for the final issue. They were still in the process of pushing it out, and they are like, nope, can't do it. It's not worth the paper it's printed on. They wouldn't even do it digitally. Did, you know, sometimes for for a series that they're really, really iffy about, they'll make it digital first. Um, they they wouldn't even finish it off digitally. Say, okay, print subscribers. No, uh, it's it's not cost effective for us, but we'll finish off digitally. They didn't even do that. And uh, as of right now, he has written a Captain America run where the stories ignore the last 20 years of Captain America stories in terms of progress for the character and the, in the world of Steve Rogers. But when you pick up the issues, half the story is just side stories that don't matter. And it's just Ta-Nehisi Coates lecturing Captain America that, you know, yeah, he's a good hero, but America's a terrible place. And uh, it's like Steve Rogers for the first time in his life is discovering that black people also have feelings and that they haven't always been treated greatly and other minority groups, which is antithetical to the character because for Captain America's entire lifespan in the comics, you know, race, politics, cultural stuff, that's always been part of who the character is. So to basically take him back and lecture the reader by lecturing Captain America, that Captain America has never realized these things up until recently, is a slap in the face to the character. Sam Wilson was one of the first prominent 
uh, black supporting characters in a comic book. I think he even preceded the introduction of Black Panther. Um, Sam Wilson went on to be a hero in his own right, a member of the Avengers, and eventually took up the mantle of Captain America for a time. Hopefully we'll even get to see that in the Falcon and Winter Soldier series, which I'm really excited for. I liked Bucky as Captain America, but because of the the stories and the character arcs in the films, it makes sense for the film successor in the Marvel Cinematic Universe to Captain America to be Sam. It just makes more sense. It made more sense in the comics for Bucky to be Captain America for a time. It makes more sense for Sam to be the, the second in line to take on the mantle of Captain America. So what we've got is somebody who can't write Black Panther the year that Black Panther's taken everyone's money, and he's just completely crippling Captain America. It's as if he's never picked up a Captain America comic in his life. So you compare, you, you pair him with J.J. Abrams, there it just doesn't make sense. You're going to go ahead and piss off the people that are going to go see it in theaters or, or buy it on uh, on Disney+. Plus. You're, you're just, those people are not going to come. Those people are not going to spend their money on it. So that is my biggest case against whatever they wanted to do even if it had nothing to do with making superman black i would have had a problem with it if they had brought back henry calvill but you told me that abrams was producing and that uh coates is going to write the script i would have a problem now that all those things have nothing to do with being against black superman let's go ahead and get into that i'm going to go ahead and start reading the sci-fi article I'm going to interject throughout. And if you would like to read this at your leisure later, you can go ahead and do it. Now, this is an opinion piece contributed by Justin Carter at sci-fi.com. Link in the show notes. I'm going to go ahead and read it and I'll interject throughout because he makes some good points. He makes some shitty points and he omits some vital information as a new super, uh, as a new Superman movie is on the way, though, not in the, uh, a new Superman movie is on the way, though not in a way that many expected. As current Black Panther comic scribe Ta-Nehisi Coates recently revealed, and it is written May 4th, there is no Black Panther right now. There, there is no. So you can't say current. You can say the previous because I think they might let him finish off his new thing in like a couple of issues, like a little limited series, but there's no way they're letting him ever touch uh, – a Black Panther title again. He completely screwed it up. So let's uh, let's 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 be let's be exact here, Justin. Um, Todd Hesey Coates reve- uh, recently revealed he will be writing another Man of Steel film produced by J.J. Abrams. It, it's still like I'm getting a migraine just reading this. Just uh, just you you cannot you cannot create a worse duo than this. Um, anyway. And that possibly does away with Henry Calville's version of the character. Whether this is the, quote, main Superman going forward, or he's in his own isolated universe, similar to the Robert Pattinson uh, Batman in The Batman, the next Superman we see on the silver screen could be someone new entirely. While there hasn't yet been confirmed from DC or its parent company, Warner Brothers, of the existence of the project or its details, per a story from The Hollywood Reporter, quote, this new Superman project is aiming to star a black Superman. Now, let me let my nerd out. Is there a black Superman in the comics? Yes. In fact, there are multiple. And none of them are Clark Kent. We'll expand on that in a little bit. 
Continuing, so while we await an official response from the production companies or anyone involved in the film, it's worthwhile to think of the possibilities. Because it really shouldn't be a surprise to anyone who's been paying attention that DC could be thinking of bringing a black Superman to the big screen. Uh, This wouldn't be the first conversation about him. There were rumors that Michael B. Jordan from Black Panther and Creed, amazing actor, was in talks to play the character back in late 2019, though nothing materialized. You could see why Warner Brothers, which owns DC, could be interested in a black Superman, not just for what it could represent, uh, but from a business perspective. Uh, Saying that, this idea of constantly changing the the race of big characters as being good for business, uh, that's not true, because if they did, Sony would would have made James Bond a black woman. If that was true, then the Ghostbusters remake with an all-female cast would have been a blazing success. If that was true, that would have been, uh, you know, that that would have made the new Charlie's Angels film, which starred people who openly said, if you're a white man, don't come to see this. It, it caused that to fail. And then they were like, okay, we're all, we're, why didn't all the white men come see us? It's because he didn't want them to come. If that was true, uh, Captain Marvel would have been able to win over many, many people that did not make that Marvel film a blockbuster Marvel film. Why is it every other Marvel film, including the Ant-Man films, are able to go ahead and bust box office numbers, but even though Captain Marvel did okay, it was just below average for Marvel Cinematic Universe standards. So this whole idea of it constantly makes things better, it actually doesn't. Um Black Panther and Aquaman have proven that diverse superheroes sell. Is Aquaman really diverse? Like, I get that he wasn't a blonde hair, blue-eyed guy, but, like, the thing about Aquaman was they weren't selling Jason Momoa as, oh, this is, uh, this is, you know, Samoan or Hawaiian or whatever he is, Aquaman. They just cast a, a cool character because... I mean, who who really who really gives a shit what Aquaman looks like? He's not he's not on the same level as a Black Panther. Um, it's it's just you know they they didn't have to do it. He's a good actor. He's a cool guy. Universally loved by men and women in terms of audience uh, audience reactions alike. Uh, you know he he's not in the same league as like let's say a Black Panther. So I mean the the comparison's just kind of odd. Nobody build it as we have our Pacific Islander Aquaman. No nobody did. So don't don't create that comparison. Uh, moving on, have proven that diverse superheroes sell. In the past, Warner Brothers has happily done colorblind casting with several of its DC characters, including Ryan Potter's Beast Boy and Titans. Okay, there's another thing. Whoever cared about. Beast Boys race. Will Smith's Deadshot and Suicide Squad. No one really cared about that either. And Birds of Prey's uh, Journey Smollett as Black Canary. That that was just kind of odd. Not because she's Black Black Canary, but because she's Smollett's sister, and that just seemed kind of odd. Though I will say, um, when what I have seen Journey Smollett, and she's a very talented actress. But you know, you're, you're comparing Superman, who's been around for almost a century now who's been seen in every medium as being a Caucasian male to a lot of tertiary characters who no one, not even fans really have that much care for. And this is coming from somebody that loves Samuel Jackson as Nick Fury. So, so don't get any ideas on where I'm coming from with this. There's, there's a, 
there's a certain there's a certain expectation that you set when you're dealing with certain characters. Uh, as much as some fans would like to say otherwise, a non-white actor becoming Superman was always going to happen. Not really, because even the black Superman in the comics, they're 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 not that popular. They've never carried their own series. Not for a lack of trying, they've tried to do it, but it doesn't happen. They're not as compelling. And it has nothing to do with their race. It's about the characters themselves. They just were not compelling. Uh, moving on, there are plenty of ways to introduce a black Superman to filmgoers, too. The movie could be a standalone, though it could also tie into the off-delayed multiversal Flash movie because of DC's messy continuity, um, you know, all that having some proceeding in the comics. As it, it may have... At, as it is with many heroes, Clark Kent is just one of the many men who've been Superman. He's not just one of the many. He is the Superman, and you happen to have characters in the comics who are Supermen from other universes or other stories. So you can't just say, oh, he's on the same level as them. No, he's not. He is freaking Superman. When people think of Superman, they immediately think of him. It's not like Spider-Man now where people say Spider-Man, and they're going to be like, Peter or Miles? We'll get to that in a little bit. Um uh, several individuals who took up the mantle have been black. Engineer John Henry Irons borrowed, borrowed the name and donned a self-made suit of Superman armor following Superman's iconic death in the early 90s uh, before eventually rebranding as Steel. Uh, in 2014, DC introduced Val Zod, the pacifist Superman of Earth 2. I'll tell you that, nobody gave a shit about that, and it got canceled two issues later because it was a bad series. Oh, and he puts in quotes, a pacifist Superman would sure be something to see in an action movie, wouldn't it? Not really. He actually, he, he, he fucking sucks. He, he's, a, he's a bad character. He sucked. Um, or here's an idea. Pull from Grant Morrison's work and bring in Calvin Kalel Ellis. So Calvin Ellis, the Superman of Earth-23, who's also the president of his world's United States. It would definitely be something audiences haven't seen before. It's just, yeah. He's, I, I actually wish they had shown more stuff with him. They were going to bring him back in a recent limited series from DC called Death Metal. We see him for a few pages, and then they didn't do anything with him. I think people are afraid to touch him and like give him a, give him a series of his own, but they haven't. I, I don't know why, but you know, as of right now, you know, Cal Zod or whatever and, and Calvin Ellis, while they might have had potential, we saw that one really sucked and one's never been looked into. So why would you base an entire, you know, billions of billions of dollars to produce film off that when you already know who Superman is? They will always be compared to Clark Kent. But let's continue. Oh, and by the way, Shaquille O'Neal was Steel in a in a 1990s film where it was called Steel. And uh, I'm going to put a link to the trailer. You have to see it. It's, it's pretty terrible. There's a reason why nobody talks about it and why Shaq's action hero career never lift off in films. The concept of a black Superman, a character who both stands for truth, justice in the American way and also represents a population that has not historically been included in the country's attempt to live up to those ideals is inherently interesting. What makes the announcement especially exciting is the news that Coates is writing the film. Coates is an acclaimed journalist and is also a nonfiction author behind such seminal works as the National Book Award for Nonfiction winner Between the World and Me and We Were Eight Years in Power – 
for which he won a Dayton Literary Prize, in which he just basically says that he's not where he wants to be in life because of white people, even though now he's actually a millionaire because it's primarily white college liberals that buy his shit. And they forgot the case for reparations and everything else where he's basically just said, I want your stuff because you were mean to somebody I was related to that probably wouldn't even like the person I am now because I'm basically a sociopath, at least in my opinion. I don't like coats. I really don't. If he hadn't destroyed Black Panther and if he wasn't destroying Captain America, uh, I, I would have never given a shit. He could have written all he wanted. I'd say, well, it's his opinion. But the moment he started destroying my characters, uh, making Marvel an even worse publisher than it is now, that, that really began to piss me off. Uh, continuing, while he hasn't written a film before, his comic works at Marvel speak for itself. What are you talking about? If, I, if this guy can't sell comics, what makes you think he'll be able to write a, a film that's going to get people to come and spend money on it and all the merchandise? Because if, as if that weren't enough, Coates is also an Eisner Award-winning comics writer who's penned several acclaimed, uh, several exciting mainstream superhero comics. They, they all got canceled. They don't make money. Who is giving him this shit? Um... In, in delving into the mystic side of Wakandan religion and a soon-to-conclude space odyssey, um, so I guess they are bringing it back for, for a couple issues, uh, in which T'Challa has become a resistance fighter, Coates, he, he goes to space. We, we still don't know why. He, he's, he has amnesia. He's in space. It's, it's Star Wars of Black Panther, and it's not even that interesting. Um, uh, Coates' tenure... Uh, on Black Panther has shown how easy it is for T'Challa to become out of step with his people and culture because of his duties as a superhero. Nobody liked it, man. Like I like the premise might be interesting, but he fucking sucked. He couldn't, he couldn't make Black Panther make money in the for in the medium that he was born in comics. So this is, this is some revisionist bullshit right here because the numbers show a completely different story. Um, continuing, a similar arc plays out across his Captain America run, which I'm surprised has not been canceled yet, in which Cap's love of what America can be clashes with the country's ugly reality. It's a reality black people have long been intimately familiar with, but Coates has never presented T'Challa or Steve as cynical in their respective stories. I disagree with that. He has totally made Captain America a dumb person, who just suddenly realized, um, you know, things that as a character throughout his series, going back to the, you know, mid to late sixties, early seventies, where it was a very politically driven book with the secret empire and everything else. Um, he's basically acted like none of those stories had ever existed. And Captain America's just like, what do you mean? Black people aren't always happy. It's just bad. It's just bad. Like if, if you, if you disagree with me just on the grounds of politics or something, go read, either Black Panther or or Captain America, reach out to me. I will tell you the runs to collect by Coates, and you will read them, and you'll be like, I couldn't finish it because it was just that fucking bad. Um, like Superman, they're always hopeful and striving to do better. Uh, with good direction and compelling lead performance, Coates' take on uh, Black Superman has the potential to reinforce the character as a big-screen presence. But all of this is for nothing if Warner Brothers isn't willing to back Coates and his new Superman all the way from start to finish. When it comes to DC movies, the studio tends to get its own way. It's admitted as such in the past. Sometimes it's announced films, and then those films get quietly buried. 
weren't we supposed to have a Green Lantern movie this past July? <laughs> That's actually funny. Um, it's also faced allegations of mistreatment of black talent. Superman Lois Ryder, uh, Nadria Tucker has claimed she was fired from Superman Lois for pushing back on racist and sexist storylines. We're two episodes in, and I like the series. Don't give me a reason to be fucking mad at it. Uh, Warner Brothers has since declined to comment on the record for a recent HuffPost profile on Tucker. And big screen cyborg actor Ray Fisher claimed, quote, erasure, eraser of people of color while working on Justice League. I don't want to get too much into this, but I completely believe Ray Fisher. Joss Whedon is a piece of shit, and I totally believe everything he said about how Warner Brothers treated him. Just my, just my two cents. A recent investigation found no credibility of Fisher's allegations, and WB parent company Warner Media has denied any mistreatment occurred. All in all, uh, this potential black Superman already has unfair expectations upon him by sheer virtue of existing because he couldn't succeed in the comics. I don't think it's going to succeed well on screen. Even, even if you go with these other existing characters, like... Steel, because we did have a Steel movie, and it didn't do well. And you can't say it's because he was black, because we had Blade, and Blade got like a bunch of movies, and everyone loves Wesley Snipes. So you you can't you can't say that. I mean, people went to go see Hancock, which was not based off a comic, but it was in our black superhero movie. Um, anyway, uh, it's been nearly a decade without a live action Superman film that wasn't a team up. And this new movie will have plenty to prove. Coates could no doubt get the Man of Steel to take that first step off the ground, but it'll be up to everyone else involved with the help w- with the film to help him truly fly again. Ah, I got a problem, man. Now, now let's let's take a step back and and really try and understand why people on the left might get more upset. It's because of proper identification in the areas of culture that they enjoy. One thing I miss about, um, one thing I miss about you know the pre-COVID world were comic book conventions. I live in D.C. Awesome Con is one of the largest uh, cons in America, outside of New York Comic Con and uh, San Diego Comic Con. Awesome Con, you see everybody, everybody of all races, politics, religion, sexuality. It was fun. And that's what fandom is. Fandom is fun, and it brings people together. And was there a diversity problem in comics? Absolutely. Not just on page, but also in the writing room. Um, you know, Jim Lee is one of my favorite uh, comic book artists. And uh, for me, it you know, I, I look at him, and I always remember he had to fight his way up because he was one of the first Asian-American artists, Korean, like my family, um, on my mom's side to get into the comic book industry. And he has paved a way for many, you know, black, brown and Asian writers to get in there. So it has taken a while, but they, they got there through sheer talent and they got there through sheer force of will because they're respected amongst their peers as who they are. It's not, oh, the black artists, it's not, oh, the Asian artists, it's that's Jim Lee. That's the best artist of, you know, a, a generation, really. Um, you know, there, there's a difference in how you introduce diverse characters. I've always been, if you want somebody who's gay, make a gay character. 
one of the best characters who was gay in Marvel Comics is a character named Freedom Ring, who was introduced in Marvel Team-Up in, I think, around 2005. Freedom Ring was one of the first openly homosexual characters in a comic book. And what did Marvel do? They killed him after five issues. He sacrificed himself to save a civilian. He's killed by uh, by an evil version of Iron Man from uh, another dimension, I think, called the Iron Maniac. And, uh, you know, I thought they were going to bring him back because no one stays dead in comics. No, he's been dead like 16 years. Meanwhile, they're they're making characters like Iceman gay. I had a problem with that. Be- not because I don't think Iceman can come out of the closet, but because when they did it, they did it, and they said, if you don't like it, sucks because this is how he is forever. And what that does is that undoes almost 60 years of storytelling. I was mad at that. Now let's look at the character of Dakin. Dakin is Wolverine's son. He's a villain. Dakin is bisexual. It was it was quite clear from the get-go that that's how he swung. And Dakin's one of the most interesting uh, X-Men characters ever introduced. He's one of my favorites. And that's just how he is. Sometimes he has a girlfriend. Sometimes he has a boyfriend. That's fine. John Constantine, open bisexual in the comics, open bisexual in, in, the, in the series uh, on TV and in animation. Nobody's ever had a problem with that. Why? Because that's how he was created. Um, one of my least favorite characters in Marvel was written by a man who also created one of my most favorite characters. His name is Brian Michael Bendis. I talk about him a lot on Second Brick Comics. Brian Michael Bendis. I even did a, a Remso rant over at the Second Brick Comics Patreon, patreon.com slash secondprintpod. I think it was uh, a rant titled um, In Defense and Offense of Diversity in Comics. I talk a little bit more about this, but like Brian Michael Bendis, Left to Center Guy wrote one of my favorite runs of uh, the Avengers. It was uh, New Avengers. Um, I think he wrote the first like six volumes of it. Uh, amazing run. He wrote my favorite uh, single storyline ever, uh, Secret War. I'll link to those episodes from Second Per Comics here if you want to get more into that. Amazing writer. Also wrote some shit like Fear Itself in, uh, in 2012, 2013. So bad that I actually pulled it out of my collection. I sold it to a friend recently. All seven issues. I'm like, this is some bullshit. You can have it. <laughs> um, but two characters he wrote who are the continuation of legacy characters. Um, one is Miles Morales. You probably saw in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And the other one is a character named Ironheart. Uh, she, her name is Riri Williams. In the comics... Miles is a half-black, half-Puerto Rican character. He's from a universe called the Ultimate Universe, in which Peter Parker is killed defending his family from the Green Goblin. So Miles, who happens to be bit by a spider stolen by his uncle from Oscorp Labs, who gets the same powers as Spider-Man, becomes Spider-Man in order to honor Peter Parker. He has his own origin. He has his own unique supporting cast. He's an amazing character, and he's true to himself, and he often struggles between trying to live up to his idea of what Peter Parker would have done as Spider-Man. Miles was brought up as an authentically amazing character, and when Into the Spider-Verse came out, he wasn't just Black Spider-Man. He was and is 
to many people, including myself, their Spider-Man. I will always love Peter Parker. And it does genuinely bring a tear to my eye when I get to see Miles because I see myself in Miles. Miles is me. I am Spider-Man. That's what Stanley wanted to set out when he made Spider-Man in the first place. There was never a teenage superhero. All teenage superheroes, they didn't really have powers and they were always sidekicks. He made Spider-Man in a full onesie because he wanted anybody to see themselves behind the mask. And to Stanley, anybody could be a hero. And Miles embodies that um, that legacy that Stanley um, created through the character of Spider-Man. Miles is awesome. I hate fucking Riri Williams as Ironheart because when she was created right around the time that Bendis was leaving, it was basically to be the anti-Iron Man. So while Miles is the proper successor to Spider-Man and is seen as Spider-Man, Riri was made to be anti-Iron Man, anti-Tony Stark. She's 14. She's black. She's lesbian. Um, she takes over as Iron Man in the comics when Iron Man is killed during the one of many times, ironically killed by one of my least favorite characters, uh, Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel. I'm not going to call her Captain Marvel anymore because she doesn't deserve that. Marvel from uh, from the Kree Empire is the is the real Captain Marvel. What they've done to Carol Danvers, who I grew up knowing her as Miss Marvel, is just bastardized her in film and in print. It bothers the shit out of me. But, you know... Why is Riri Williams super smart? Because she is. And, you know, Iron Man is a is a sexist, toxic, white, misogynist male who, yeah, is smart, but he's not as smart as her. And he he only got a leg up because he came from a rich family. And that's that's everything from Ironheart. Nobody likes her. She's never been able to keep a comic, um, to keep a title of her own. She's never been able to do anything. She didn't even translate well amongst audiences in the in in the like six through twelve range in animation. Nobody liked her because she had no captivating personality. It's like they were just like, here, let's just go ahead and play, you know, social justice ad lib and we'll create this character. And then if anyone criticizes her, we'll just call them a sexist bigot. Racist racist sexist bigot. So how is it the people that love Miles hate Riri? It's because Riri was meant to replace Iron Man, but not just replace Iron Man, but erase everything that Iron Man was because everything Iron Man was was bad. Whereas Miles is somebody that respects their hero and wants to honor their legacy. And in order to be the best Spider-Man, he has to be the best version of himself, which only he can know. I'll even bring up a third example, Kamala Khan who has the moniker of Miss Marvel now in the comics since Carol Danvers is Captain Marvel. Kamala Khan, uh, a young Muslim girl, universally loved, had a big, big, big breakout in the Avengers video game where you play her for a good chunk of the game. Um, you know, as, as probably the, the main protagonist, I'll say. People love her because she didn't go out to replace Miss Marvel. She went out to honor Miss Marvel. She didn't want to completely replace the character. She wanted to honor the character. She's not just a whole bunch of, you know, ad-libbed pieces stuck together. She's an actual fleshed-out character with challenges and strengths and her own personality. And she's nice and she gets along with people and she's a hero because she's genuinely courageous. Ironheart has none of those fucking things. (laughs) She's absolutely fucking terrible. But that's 
that that's where I bring it back to. People want to see good stories. People want to see their the things that they grew up on respected and not simply replaced and erased. Uh, I think Carol Danvers is is absolutely a bastardized version of herself, and they, what Marvel has done to the Captain Marvel name is ridiculous. Now, for some of you that don't know Captain Marvel beyond the movies, let me explain it in the comics. Captain Marvel is a Kree soldier, a man called uh, named Marvel from the Kree Empire, comes to Earth originally to invade it, ends up loving it, wants to become its protector. Um, he has this uh, this this force energy thing with him on his ship that accidentally blows up, and it gives Carol Danvers, a colonel in the Air Force, superpowers. She becomes Miss Marvel. She's Miss Marvel for almost fifty years. Uh, Captain Marvel dies at one point. A couple other people take up the Captain Marvel name in uh, the mid 2010s. What they do is they decide to make Miss Marvel um, into Captain Marvel. Now, Miss Marvel in the comics uh, was an Avenger. She's a badass. She looked like a pinup model. You know, the super hot, voluptuous blonde who also can fly and shoot lasers and lift a tank. Well, what they did was they put her in the jumpsuit, they gave her a short haircut. Uh, she hasn't dated a guy in like 10 years, and she's known to be mean to men, and that's her thing now. She's she's mean to men, and she's bitchy, and at one point she killed Iron Man, which is why we ended up getting Riri Williams, which is bullshit, and there's never any mention of Captain Marvel. So how is it that the new Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan, is a better successor than Carol Danvers, who was her own unique character, who is now... Captain Marvel. It's because we have to pretend that Marvel, the original Captain Marvel, never happened. That's why I'm upset how they introduced her in the films. Because it's just it's just not right. Whereas with Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel, you know, she she has shoes to fill. She thinks what would Carol do? At least Carol's alive for her. When, when Miles was still in his other universe because, before everything got merged because comics, because that's what they do, you know, Miles had to figure it out himself. Carol was in love with Marvell before he died, and she pretends he doesn't fucking exist. Here is my proposal for if, and it will never reach the, the ears of the executives at Warner Brothers, but here is, as a fan who loves comics and loves Superman, let me tell you how you do a black Superman movie. You make Superman Zod-El. You add a little bit of Calvin Ellis to it. He's a pacifist. He's growing up. He's black. He's getting powers. That is where you start the story. Completely new take. Make him Zod-El. Merge him with the parts of Calvin Ellis. There you've got a character who embodies both versions of Black Superman in the comics. Um, you make it in a parallel universe where there is no Clark Kent. There was never any other Superman. He will be the first Superman. So there's your story. Where, where you go and take it from there, I don't know, I don't care, but that's how you're going to set it up. He's different. There is no other Superman. He's trying to figure it out. Do not get Ta-Nehisi Coates. If you want a black person to script the film, 
because you want that there. Do not give it to Ta-Nehisi Coates. I'll say it again. Do not give it to Ta-Nehisi Coates. Give it to somebody who actually gets comic books, who gets superheroes, and can also create something with broad, wide stream appeal. Get Ryan Coogler. Ryan Coogler is one of the best directors. He worked on the script for the first Black Panther, and he's currently working on the script for Black Panther 2 right now. Ryan Coogler gets it. He, I think he's actually read the comics once or twice. And if you tell him to do Superman, in case he hasn't read Superman before, he'll probably catch up too. Unlike Ta-Nehisi Coates, who, know, who knows jack about shit. Have Ryan Coogler do it. And dare I say, even have Ryan Coogler direct it. And keep Abrams fucking out of it. Have have a have somebody else produce it. Have have Michael B. Jordan produce the film. It doesn't take much to be a producer. I actually think that Michael B. Jordan would have a, would do a better job at it than Abrams. So there it is. There's your team. I don't know who's gonna be directing this one with Abrams and Coates, but I think Abrams gonna have more to say than anyone else. So here it is. My dream team based off my fantasy Superman script where you're going to have a black Superman has Ryan Coogler writing it, directing it, and Michael B. Jordan producing it. And hell, make him Superman. He even knows the stuff better. He did an interview of Oprah like six years ago, and uh, there were rumors that he was going to be cast for a potential Superman role, either in his own movie or another movie. And they're like, so would you be Clark Kent? And he's like, no, there's this guy named Calvin Ellis who is – a black Superman, his own universe, and also president. Shit, he knows it better right there. Maybe he can help Kugler in this fantasy draft situation do it. But either way, what they've done is they have an original script with something that's based off canon material written by people that actually get it. That's all I'm asking for. And the great thing about DC and how they treat their comics, TV shows, and films is all part of the grand multiverse. Many stories covering many timelines and many people and many versions of people. Right now in in the Superman and Lois TV show, uh, we have a black Lex Luthor. We also have a white Lex Luthor, and they both exist in the same universe, except black Lex Luthor is from another universe, and he's badass. I wish I knew the, the guy's name. Who plays the actor? I don't know half the actors that are on there, but I'm I'm writing reviews. If you want to read my Superman Lois reviews over at secondprintcomics.com. But ultimately, here is what will make Superman, whether it's Clark Kent or anyone else, matter. I'm gonna go ahead and actually read to you to finish off the show my review of the pilot episode. And understand this is coming from someone that thinks that Henry Cavill's awesome, but he wasn't scripted great in the films because I feel like they lose the spirit of Superman. I think that's ultimately what a lot of people are afraid of with Coates because he doesn't understand the characters. And when he writes legacy characters like it, he, he just ignores all of that and he lectures people and he forgets that or he just doesn't care. I don't know, but here's what makes Superman so important. And, uh, you know, if I've gotten too nerdy too into the weeds for you, I'm sorry, but I'm going to go ahead and read this for you. There's a spoiler for this first episode of Superman Lois, if you haven't read it. So, or seen it, so just just be aware. Clark is laid off. Lois now suddenly finds herself as the family's sole breadwinner. Jonathan is worried about high school and girls, while Jordan is trying to find his way through the stress of adolescence. These are the Kents, your seemingly average American family. Or so it seems. 
I'll, I'll include this in the show notes. I feel like I forgot to say that, but I'll, I'll put it there. The CW's newest series, Superman Lois, joins the network's interconnected Arrowverse of TV shows based on the popular DC Comics properties, bringing the Man of Steel into a new major challenge, parenthood. The pilot episode paints a picture of the remarkably fantastic and the challengingly ordinary. An alien from Krypton raised by farmers in Kansas, a godlike being forced to hide as a human. Now, the last son of Krypton must determine who he owes his time to. The dangers that face the people of Earth are the more personal struggles that could tear his family apart. From fights with foes inside of nuclear reactors to being dragged into outer space for a typical comic book slugfest, the show is balanced with more human circumstances, such as what happens to a person's already chaotic life when the death of a parent, in this case Clark's mother Martha Kent, forces everyone's lives to pause so they can assess the world moving forward. Superman Lois might be written and directed by a team of open liberal writers led by proud progressive Greg Berlanti, who has carried the Arrowverse since it began in 2012 with Arrow. But in terms of broad-based appeal, this new Superman series, at least for now, feels like a program for everyone, including America's true silent majority, politically apathetic America. The Arrowverse through series such as Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, Batwoman, and Supergirl, has shown viewers for around a decade just how massive and monumental certain interstellar, sometimes mystical, and often man-made threats can be. Last year's Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover event showed the heroes facing a threat that could wipe out all of existence. Superman Lois will obviously be filled with a world of fantastic and uncanny elements, but the pilot episode moves the plot in an unexpected direction, something more local. Upon losing his job due to corporate layoffs at the Daily Planet and almost immediately losing his mother, Clark and the family have to travel to his hometown of Smallville to grieve and handle his late mother's estate. During this time, we see more of the personalities of the Kents come out. Clark, for the most part, has always been viewed as a Christian conservative character, embodying the values of small-town middle America. Lois Lane, however, shows her progressive views when conversing with some of Smallville's locals. The sons, Jonathan and Jordan, new characters made for the series, perhaps have a combination of their parents' attitude toward the world or perhaps lean one way or another. But for them, trying to learn their place in the world is both of their immediate priorities, especially when they learn that their father is the world's greatest hero. Jonathan and Jordan truly represent the majority of the country who is, at the end of the day, politically apathetic, trying not to get caught up in issues beyond their control uh, when they have enough at home to be concerned about. When learning of big business trying to buy, uh, when learning of big business buying local banks to crop to crop shortages and the opioid epidemic, the Kents decide to stay in Smallville not only for their family's sake, but to defend this quaint town from being buried by those of ill intent. Call Clark and Lois perhaps the perfect populist pairing, a reporter from the big city of Metropolis who has it out for the 1% and a small town square who just wants to keep the identity of his community together through trying times. Clark and Lois's differences and personalities highlight their strengths and weaknesses, but their love for each other as individuals shows that some things are more important than what the mainstream world wants to distract us with. Superman can fight monsters and Lois can go after the rich and famous, but if they want to make a true and lasting impact, it starts with the spirit of localism, focusing on the family and their community first. It is hard to predict the future 
of any new series, but with this one, it seems to be embodied with the heart of its leading protagonist, Superman. Legendary DC Comics writer and editor Denny O'Neill once described Superman as everyone's friend, not necessarily the messianic figure he has been portrayed as in recent portrayals on screen, because Clark, too, like the rest of us, has his own struggles and pitfalls. It isn't his powers that make Clark into Superman, however, as any DC Comics nerd will tell you, but his humanity and willingness to show incredible kindness, courage, and empathy when needed most. Perhaps that is why people around the world point to Superman as one of the best fictional characters of all time, because Superman doesn't just take one side or speak out for just some people, or even come at us from a stiff political agenda. Perhaps now a series like Superman Lois is needed now more than ever to give us a reminder, to show that despite our differences in religion, race, and politics, Superman saves those who like him and loathe him alike, because that is what heroes do. I will leave you with this. The formula is right there. That is it. You want to win, you do that. Whether it's with Clark or Calvin or Zod, whatever. That is how you do it. Superman doesn't lecture. Superman doesn't judge. Superman looks at right and wrong and he treats people as individuals. Because that is what heroes do. Superman is the best of us. Not because of his powers, but because of his heart. His love, his courage, his kindness, his empathy. That is how you do it. That is what America needs. That's what the world needs. Thank you once again. I've been ranting for much longer than I would typically do a monologue. But as you can tell, I, uh, I love this topic. And hey, if you're a comic book fan, you've been listening to this as long as, you know, for, for, if you're up to this point right now and you're not listening to the Second Print Comics podcast, please, Mark Claire from Lines of Liberty, and I do this every Wednesday for anywhere from one to two hours. We've got like 30 plus episodes and a whole ton of bonus content over on Patreon. We got a ton of free content over on our website. Check it out today, the Second Print Comics podcast, and you can learn more at secondprintcomics.com. Give me your thoughts. What do you want from Superman going forward? Do you like Ta-Nehisi Coast Black Panther? I don't know. I don't care, but let's have fun. Follow me across social media. Everything is in the show notes today. Be good. Be safe. Love you. Take care. And remember, Superman does what Superman does because Superman is a hero, no matter who he is or what he looks like. If you get the heart of the character, you'll always win. And Ta-Nehisi, Ta-Nehisi Coates doesn't get that anyway, but we're all better than that. We know who these characters are. Be good. Be safe. Good night. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Like the Chris Spangle Show, Liberty Explained, The Brian Nichols Show, The Boss Hog of Liberty, Freedom Strips with Keaton Tucker, On the Run with Rimzo Martinez, Gingerarchy with Trisha Stewart Mann, Upward Libertarian Activism, and now hear this. Tune in now and we're going to help you sound smarter when talking with your friends. 